0: Well, I have the privilege of um, introducing our speaker for you this morning. Pastor Dave Brickey is with us today, and uh, Dave is the uh, pastor at Church of the Open Door in Maple Grove. Would you join me in welcoming Pastor Dave here with us this morning? And uh, I'll say a brief word of prayer. Sure. God, thank you for Pastor Dave. Thank you for his willingness to share um, the message that you've given his heart, that you put on his heart today for, for him to share. And um, God, I just pray that, that all of us would be um, receptive of what you're doing in this space today uh, through this message and through the truth of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I uh, drove in this morning. And I just thought it is a beautiful spring day. Amen? Amen. And then I see one of you walking down the sidewalk with a big old winter coat on. (laughs) And then behind that person, I saw somebody with a tank top and shorts on. (laughs) Somebody's nuts. Who thinks the person with a big winter coat on is crazy? All right, all right. Who thinks the person with the shorts and the tank top on is a little crazy? We're all a little crazy. Um <laughs> you know, I I'm I just hey I just want you to know I'm honored to be here today. I really am. Uh most of you I don't know, uh, but in a sense, uh we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And I just want to serve you. You know, I know there was a there's been a theme throughout this year, um, this theme around script the, the, the scripture thread around the, the term one another, that we're not just on this journey alone, but we're actually on this journey with each other. And so I want to call to the surface right now um, just uh, the the launching point for what I want to share with you today, and I just, I also want to let you know this, gosh, I've just been praying for you, Um, not even just for today, but what a weird time in history, and a weird time in history to live your college years, yet here you are, and, uh, and for such a time as this. And so I'm honored to be a part of this with you today. I, we're actually going to look at one of Paul's letters to the church in Galatia, and, and just this little line captured me. And we'll start there, and we'll expand it from there. But it's Galatians 5:13, um, the second half, and it just says this: "Serve one another humbly in love." That's what it says. Now, face value, this is really cute. Um, you know, put it on a coffee mug: "Serve one another humbly in love." Uh, it's it's you know one of those little precious moments sort of sort of lines. Um, but have you ever looked at something relatively small and with a simple meaning, and you peeled back the layers and you realize it was deeper and richer and more beautiful than you imagined? Have you ever had that happen? A part of my story uh, that I want to share with you is I was born blind and I was blind until about third grade. And I could see a little light but I couldn't see well enough to sprint because I would have ran into things. You, I can't believe you laughed. I'm just kidding, I'm, just, I'm totally kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was born blind and it was third grade that uh, we found a doctor that could operate on my eyes and, uh, and so it was, it was then when I started to learn to read and catch up in school and some of those things and my mom told me a story I don't even remember. Uh, when I was young, we had a, our home had a street light right in front of the house. And, um, and my mom said, Her and I were outside and we were looking at the moon. And I looked at her and I said, Mommy. And I pointed to the street light. I so said, I always thought that was the moon. And there was this sense that um, in my little childhood mind, I could see this faint light. And in my mind, you know, the moon's up high, the moon's in the sky, and that's it. That's it right there. And then when I could see, when my eyes were open, all of a sudden I realized there's a whole universe that I could never even have imagined. And I I just have this sense in this cultural moment um, that our world is so hungry for something beyond, for something beyond these human structures that we've created. And if you look around, if you look around the world right now, you see like, um, to me, it, it feels like there's uh, things that resemble the kingdom of God, value sets in the kingdom of God, like, like peace. Who, who doesn't want peace? Like, people want peace. We're, pay, we're praying for peace around the world. We're pay, praying for peace across the world. Like, even secular culture wants peace. We want harmony, we want justice, we want these these things. And actually, these attributes in their purest form are attributes and values, value sets that are connected to the kingdom of God. It's like like there's this built-in hunger inside of us as human beings for the kingdom of God, yet so many just don't want the king. It's like we hunger for the things of the kingdom of God, but so many just don't want a king. I just don't want to come under the authority and so we create these structures in our world, um, political structures, social structures, to try to facilitate these attributes, this utopia that we want to create, this, this world that we want to live in. We try to do it through all sorts of means. But how many of you, how many of you know, like, like secularism and all those structures, they begin to crack and break apart. And, and, and it's, it, you see it. No matter how good or talented or how much money or how brilliant the programs are, they begin to show their cracks and they begin to break apart. And we begin to realize like, like it's, it's, just a, it's just like a, a glimpse into what the world hungers for, I believe, on a soul level for the kingdom of God with the king. And so we look at this little line here, this little line here, like serve, one another humbly in love. How in the world do you define such a, a deluded word like love? There's a lot of things I love. I love pizza, Chicago pizza, that's where I'm from. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I uh, love springtime. I love my mommy. <laughs> Come on. Um, how do, you, how do you define that word? And, and scripture actually gives us, and, and you know this, gives us a flesh and bone definition of the word love when it calls it out. And it's the person of, it's the person of Jesus. Like in, in Jesus, the center of the love of Jesus we, we sang about, the center image or expression of the love of Jesus is the cross. Jesus hanging there, not just on an instrument of death, but an instrument that was created to strip him of all of his dignity and his family name and dying even for the ones that put him on the cross. You know that cute little coffee cup line right there, like serve one another humbly in love, now all of a sudden it has new dimension. As you can picture Jesus like getting down and like washing his disciples feet and that's a beautiful image and, and yeah, king of kings, lord of lords, like um, setting aside his divine privileges, Philippians chapter two and like humbling himself, taking on the skin and bone of a human being and like serving creation It's a big deal. But it's way easier to picture Jesus washing John's feet than it is Judas's feet, isn't it? I mean, they are both probably had disgusting feet, let's just be honest. But, um, but it's way easier to picture one or the other. And, and I, yeah, I think this often, that um, where the Christian love is made most visible and where the world's love ends is the ability to love one's enemy. And... Um, and it colors in this, this little line from Scripture in a powerful way. And I just want to call this out. This is a bit more complicated in our cultural moment. Um, years ago, Tim Keller said something that kind of haunted me. Uh, he said, there's coming a day when the majority of churches in the West, people will decide to go to any given church community based on red or blue. And to me, that was, that, that's haunted me that's haunted me, that we could actually take value sets of the kingdom of God and try to squeeze them and fit them into an earthly structure. And that divides would begin to happen in ways that look very similar to the divides in this world. And um, in fact, when you look at the divides in this world, there's all sorts of solutions for those divides, but one of the solutions for those divides is the word tolerance. And tolerance can actually sound like a nice word until you actually apply it to your relationships. Like me waking up next to my wife and saying, baby, I just want to tolerate you today. Will you tolerate me? Yeah. Um, It's like this, you can breathe the same air as me, but don't get too close. Don't get too close. And, And actually, even within the church, And when I say church, I'm not talking about one local expression, I'm talking about just the broader body of Christ. Within the church, we can mirror the same value sets and divisions in the world, and we can actually put on the word tolerance as if it's a virtue in the kingdom of God. But actually the kingdom of God calls us to something way more wild, way more otherworldly, way more transcendent, Um, like tolerance is like looking at the streetlight and thinking it's the moon And God calls us to something bigger, wider, more mysterious. And it's this kind of love that actually can move out towards all of humanity. Serve one another humbly with a Jesus-like love. How in the world do we do that? How do we we actually do that in in real life? Let's just have an honest moment. Um, How many of you have wanted to punch like a lot more people over the past two or three years than you have in your entire life. Anybody? It's just having an honest moment. Confession's a part of our faith. I have too. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover, but I've wanted to punch a lot of people. You turn on the TV, you want to punch somebody. You listen to the radio, you want to punch somebody. I'm not saying you do it. Some of you do it. We'll pray for you afterwards. It's fine. It's fine. But you want to, I mean, want to punch somebody. I mean, it is so such a crazy time to be alive, but I I think like for such a time as this, I I do actually believe that. And on the surface, um, this verse here, this little piece of scripture, serve one another humbly in love, here's what it can look like. It can look like this, okay, you've given your life to Jesus, great. Now be like him, be like him. Good luck It's hard. How in the world could we possibly? How in the world could we possibly do this? Now, here's the good news, and I just want to um, call this out because sometimes we can live in our day and age, and we can go, "Man, there's no other day and age that has been more complicated than this." Wow, and we get scared, like we can get even get really pessimistic. What's going to happen to the church? As if the church hasn't gone through the ages for 2,000 years or more, moving through all sorts of social dynamics, world dynamics, and even when the pressure was on and people were being martyred by the thousands, the church continues to expand and grow, and and today, today there are more followers of Jesus on planet Earth than ever before in history, and we get so nervous, like, what's gonna happen? And when you look at history, you go, oh, wait a second. It's always been complicated. (laughs) Take a deep breath. It's gonna be okay. God's kingdom is going to advance. And, uh, and so, I mean, it's, it started with the disciples. It's always been complicated. And, um, you know, Jesus, like literally the first 12, like there were disciples who were training to be apostles, right? Because there were more than 12 disciples. I won't get into all that right now. Um, Jesus started with, there's two people on there, like Simon the Zealot, Matthew the tax collector. The political gap, the social gap was so wide there The division was so extreme and I just have this imagination that Jesus started with division so a transcendent love and unity could be born. And now you fast forward to the church in Galatia in this little line here. This is like the church is new. Theology is unfolding and people are wrestling with what it means to follow Jesus like for the first time, can you imagine? how complicated and confusing this, this time of life would be. Like you get a letter from Paul and you're just soaking that in. That's what you have, that's what you have. And healing and salvation is coming to people who, ne- who, who like never imagined, you never imagined it would come to them and churches are being planted, the spirit is at work. And meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, uh, Rome is increasing the pressure to squeeze out the Jews and it's actually hap- ha- having the opposite effect. National pride is rising and the Jewish identity is sinking deeper, revolt is brewing, that's happening. And out of this, amongst the group of radical Jews, um, you have these Pharisees turned Christians. They were Pharisees and Jewish religious leaders, teachers of the law turned Christians. And this group of people that I'm referring to are called, we we refer to them as Judaizers. And and I'm gonna make this uh, sort of a, a, a short summary of this. Their MO was this, you have to become Jewish, in order to follow Jesus. So Jesus didn't come to fulfill the law. You actually got to continue to live into this reality, and then if you do it, then you can actually become Christian and follow follow Jesus. And um, the influence of this group of people has reached the church in Galatia, and actually, Paul speaks directly to them in this letter. Um, he speaks directly to the Judaizers and uh, those influenced by them in Galatians chapter 5, verse 2. I'll just read it. It won't be on the screen because I didn't get it in in time. Grace, grace, grace. Um, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Don't worry. He's not saying it's wrong to get circumcised. <laughs> Whew. Um, he's saying this. If you think that you can earn your way to Jesus by obeying the law, you have missed the point. You have missed the point. Trying to be like Jesus isn't not another system of salvation, it's a new way. It's not a new way to be religious, it's something completely different. There's a a, a, uh, now on the other end of this, so that's over here. You have like these these Pharisees turned Christian. You gotta follow these rules. You gotta, and then you can become. and, and And then there's another extreme over here, which is very different. And how do we know there was another extreme in the Church of Galatia? Because actually, Paul calls it out in his letter, same chapter, verse 13. He says this: For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So in the NIV it's that verse, um, in love humbly serve one another. It's that full verse and he's saying don't take advantage of the grace of God. But can you feel, can you feel the tension? It's like in that, just in that one little chapter, Paul's running to one side and, and he, he's saying, your works matter, how you live actually matters. And he's running over to this side saying, yeah, but, but you can't earn your way to God. You can't earn God's love by, by how you live, by your works of righteousness. They're like a filthy rags, right? But, but how you live matters. But over here, but, um, but you can't earn your way. But how you live matters. Anybody ever feel that tension before? Anybody, maybe just a few of you have. I have too. This is the tension um, here, and this tension exists today, like uh, the legalistic side of things. It's lots of truth and little love. How many of you have felt the pain of lots of truth and little love coming your way? Yeah, and the opposite sometimes can even be more painful. Lots of love and little truth. You know, it could be really painful and those, those extremes exist today and um, it's like everyone is staring at a street light and Paul is trying to show them the moon. Um, later in the chapter, Paul shares a metaphor and this is, this is going to be kind of what we end with today. Paul's going to share, Paul sh- um, shares a metaphor that tears down the dividing line between both extremes. It, it just tears it down. We're going to look at this metaphor for a few minutes. He's saying there's another way. You're so fixated at the streetlight, there, there's actually a moon. There's another way. There's a third way. And it's in Galatians chapter five, verses 19 through 25. You'll be be familiar with some of this, I'm sure some of you will be. Um, It says this, Paul writes, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he does, he does this. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh in its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And again, on the surface, when you read this passage, it can, it can look like this, and it can look like, here's the list of things you don't do, and here, here's how you live. So listen, if you've given your life to Jesus, stop doing that and do that, go. It can feel like that, it can, but then you begin to pull back the metaphor and you begin to see something different. Um, my uh, son Jude, um, at a birthday party a couple years ago, he, uh, it was a Star Wars theme, and there was a light side and a dark side, and uh, light side and the dark side were going at it, and, and one of the boys really started to um, get aggressive on the dark side. How many of you know those fake lightsabers hurt so bad? They hurt so bad, and uh, we actually got pool noodles and we made them into lightsabers too. But this one kid had like a, and uh, this was like proud dad moment, proud dad moment. Um, I, Jude and I'm with another dad. We're watching this all take place, and Jude pulls him aside and puts his hand on his shoulders, and he says, "I know there's good in you." <laughs> I love my boy. Paul is saying this, and listen to this. Paul is saying, there is to be good in you, growing from the inside out. Paul is not saying there is to be good on you, working its way in. This is where we begin to see the contrast from the world's value system in in followers of Jesus, the value system in the kingdom of God. Here's where we begin to see the contrast, all right? So I'm going to do a little art for you. Um, Here we go. For me, it's a metaphor of trees. So the first tree I want to show you is this, and you can tell me what you think it is just to make me feel good. Oh, it's a pine tree! What are you talking about, Christmas tree? No, I'm just kidding. It's a Christmas tree, it's a Christmas tree. How do you know it's a Christmas tree? Because it has no roots. Because every pine tree is a Christmas tree, because Christmas is all year long, amen? See, division, it's here. (laughs) Goodness gracious. So the world's um, value system, now here, and I wanna put it like this, and I'm gonna try to do this fast for you. Uh, The world's values, virtues, in a sense, are from the outside in. in. In other words, there are beautiful things on the outside of this tree. They're called ornaments. What do you do? You, you put them on the tree. You bring them towards the tree. They come from the outside in. And at the very end, you put on a star or an angel, but stars are more appropriate. Um, and, and so they come from the outside in. It is this, uh, if you go to a bookstore, the self-help section is the large, it's like, it's, it's there. It's like, yeah, here's how you do. You want that? You wanna become more peaceful, it's on the outside of you. You gotta figure out how to bring it in. If you wanna become more loving, it's on the out, you gotta figure out how to bring it in. So you learn, you figure out how to bring it in, um, those sorts of things. And, and really, it's connected to a word, and I'm not gonna write it down for the sake of time, but the word performance. I gotta figure this out. It's on me. The, the, if, if I'm living this type of virtue system, then it's on me. I get to experience the beauty and I get to experience the the brokenness of not being able to do it, the pressures on me. I am the source of this value system. But then you can see that that Jesus, or that Paul actually gives us another metaphor here, which by the way, did flow from Jesus in John 15, when Jesus calls us to abide in him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so there's another value system that we have in the kingdom of God, And, and what does Paul do? He connects it to what? Da, 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 I know, I know, y'all. I know, thank you, thank you. Um, a value system, it's a thank you. I saw I heard that. It's love right there. Um, and he talks about a fruit tree. And, and this is king, kingdom virtues. Scripture casts this vision, not just in Galatians, but you, you get this thread throughout Scripture that it's actually not from the outside in. There's something happening from the inside out. Because here's what we know about a Christmas tree. A Christmas tree is actually dead and dying. But a tree that's producing fruit is actually rooted. It's actually rooted in something. And here's the difference. Here's the difference. Like, an ornament doesn't grow. Fruit does, (laughs) right? So you can say, man, that's not beautiful. Figure out how to make it beautiful. But how free is it when you look at a tree to to, to not ask yourself what's broken and what's ugly and how do you you fix it, how do you make it beautiful? But the metaphors of the ancient world, the agricultural metaphors beg a different question. Nurture what God's already doing. doesn't matter how how big or small that virtue is in your life. Nurture it. Come alongside what God is already doing. It's a rooted reality. And the source of it is God. It's from the inside out. And here's why I tell you this today. and, And this is... I just tell you this today because, um, and this is just what was burning in me as I was praying for you. You don't have to do it alone. And, And in a sense, there is intentionality that we bring to our life in Jesus, but the pressure is not on you to have to make it happen. If the pressure was on you to make it all happen in your life, then the applause would go to you, the credit would go to you, and so would the failure. But any one of us who's been following Jesus for a long time, like you look back and you can see what's been growing in your life throughout the years. You have that sweet aunt that comes over your house when you're a child and says, look how much you've grown. But nobody inside your home that lives with you ever says that because they see you every single day. The growth process is sometimes slow and you're not in it alone. You're not in it alone. A Jesus-like love will only flow through you to the extent I believe that, you, that it's actually received by you. You're actually rooted in the love of Jesus. And I, here, this is silly, but I'm a metaphor, um, you know, junkie. I just think about this stuff. And here's what, I, here's what came to my mind when I was praying for you early this morning. Does some of you feel like that silly Christmas tree? <laughs> yeah. Pretty on the outside, maybe, Lacking life on the inside. Or maybe you actually feel more like my Christmas tree which I leave up way too long, anybody else. Needles are falling off. It doesn't matter how many pretty ornaments you, look, you put on it. You can see that it's dying and falling on the floor. And I just had this imagination that maybe, maybe there's actually some people here today and, and it, you, you, almost, you almost feel like, why try? I feel like I'm in this Christian, like, I'm getting a good education here. That's why I'm here, why try? Why try? And, there, and there's this sense that you, like, you've taken this, this metaphor, the Christmas tree, and like, it, it becomes so self-defeating when you actually apply it to the kingdom of God because in the world, they're saying, you know, yeah, there's some good things like peace and love and harmony and justice, those are good things, but in the life with Jesus, The bar's a little bit higher, be like Jesus. Become so self-defeating. And this invitation is not an invitation first to behavior modification. It is an invitation into intimacy and relationship with God. And I, in in my mind, this is what came to my mind. Because sometimes, like I know what it's like to be be pursued. When I was um, going through those years with some of the special needs early on, I had bullies that would chase me. When I could finally see, I would run. It's okay. And I realized I was kind of fast. I know what it's like to be pursued. And here's what happens. When I'm pursued, if I stop and turn around, they're going to be right there. And here's what I believe. Not not with anger, not with disappointment, not with pain, to inflict pain, but with a love that you can't imagine God is pursuing you. And and here's here's what pursuit looks like. This is you, this is God, this is you. Sometimes we feel like this. I turn my back on God, and I begin to move this way. And I turn back around, it's like, there's a sense of I'm far from God. Maybe you've used that term before. I feel I'm, I'm far from God. How do I get from here to there? But that is not the story of scripture. Emmanuel, God with us. Here's what pursuit looks like. We turn our back on God, pursuit looks like this. So when we turn back towards God, we realize God's been there the whole time. In this call, this call to serve one another, this call to, like, um, to give our life away to each other is first realizing that Jesus is pursuing you to serve you. That Jesus gave his life for you. That love has to be received before it can grow through you to the, to the world around you. And so for some of you, it's just like, God, somehow today, Will you just confront us with your crazy love? And I still in my imagination go, even the most profound experiences of God's love is a drop in an ocean of what his love is. We can't fit it into our brains. And so that's it. Today I just wanted to stir up a hunger for God and an imagination that Jesus wants more than for you to live these college years trying to do good things for God. God actually wants to do life with you. So let's all stand together. Go ahead and stand, I don't know if you normally do this. Stand, don't leave yet, unless it's an emergency, you gotta pee or something. Um, And as we find ourselves, and as we find ourselves connected, practicing the presence of God, not performance, not perfection, but practicing the presence of God, growing in an awareness that when you leave this room, the very presence of God is with you wherever you go. Fruit will grow and fruit will grow that will last, but here's the beautiful thing, the fruit isn't the point anymore. Jesus is the point. And isn't that what the world needs more than a dying Christmas tree that looks pretty and religious on the outside? but people who are deeply connected to and in love with a real savior that's not trapped in the pages of an ancient book, but alive and well today. And as the culture begins to break apart and show the frailty of our human systems, it is an opportunity for followers of Jesus to move into those broken places and plant gardens so that people can see not our perfection Not us as savior, being able to save anything, but they can see the savior that we desperately need and have found. So I don't know where this hits you today, um, but I would just invite you to, can I just ask you to do this as an expression of a heart posture? Can we just put our hands out like this? And and I just wanna pray for you before we move on to the day. God, um, will you break us out of the repetition? of prayers moving in and moving out of our day and open up our imaginations to your presence with us right now, that we are talking to the living God. Lord, for my friends, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, um, give us an awareness of your presence today of Lift the pressure that's not ours to carry. God, for those who would say they're not on that journey with you here, who feel on the outside looking in, oh God, will you meet them on the margins and show them that no one is on the outside looking in at your love? We're just grateful. We're grateful. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.